Nicole Strickland. I have been fascinated with the unknown and paranormal realms since childhood. After a profound experience with my grandmother's spirit 20 years ago, I have been on a quest to observe, study, investigate, and communicate with the afterlife and beyond. It's been an ongoing journey of exploration and discovery, one that has taught me how mortality and the spirit world are forever bonded through the veils of time. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. As you can see, my background is green. I have those little changing lights. So I thought, you know what? St. Patrick's Day. And since our guest, Rocky Smith, is coming on in just about 30 seconds or a minute from now, the Oregon Ghost Conference logo has green in it. So why not have some fun, folks? Anyways, uh, welcome to another episode of the Afterlife Chronicles here on the WLTKDB network, WLTKDB.com. I'm your host, Nicole Strickland. We have a fantastic show tonight. Uh, If you haven't followed us yet on Facebook, you can do that at WLTKDB or any other of our social channels. Uh, The Afterlife Chronicles Facebook page at Afterlife Chronicles and beyond, of course, Podbean, afterlifechronicles.podbean.com. The show prior to mine, uh, just a little recap, A Realm of Darkness, hosted by Rini and Ashley, Rini Rodriguez and Ashley Moreno. Fabulous show. Uh, they interviewed the uh, um, mother of the missing skeleton boys, uh, Tanya Zuvers. And I, if I'm pronouncing her name right, what a fabulous individual. So my prayers go out to her and her family in hopes that uh, the family can get some answers really soon. So if you've missed that show, it will be archived for you. I usually do a few little announcements at the beginning, but I'm actually going to forego that because we have a lot to get into tonight. Uh, Rocky's been on the show before. He came on last year as well during this time. So I'm really happy to have him back on again tonight. His bio is just amazing. He has so many accomplishments. I mean, I'll just go through a few of these and then he can fill in the rest. Uh, Oregon City native. And I've actually been to Oregon City. The very first uh, time I went to the Oregon Ghost Conference, I believe it was 2015, It was held there in Oregon City, fabulous area. I love the Pacific Northwest. I just absolutely love it. So uh, he started researching paranormal activity in 1995 and then documented, has documented close to about 100 haunted places up in that area. He worked at the historic Irma Tinger House and uh, founded Northwest Ghost Tours, I believe, in 2006. He's the owner of Haunted Oregon City Books, Tours, and Gifts, and of course, the director of the well-known Oregon Ghost Conference up in the Pacific Northwest, and of course, a presenter at various uh, West Coast conferences. So let's go ahead and bring him in. Rocky Smith, how are you, my friend? Good, Nicole. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing good. You know, time's flying like it normally does, but, you know, just trying to keep my head above water, but, you know. We all know what that's like. Happy St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> you too. Yeah, I'm actually wearing green. It's dark. You can't tell, but you know. But then I always say my eyes are green. So that's what I did in like school, like elementary school when I didn't have green on. I would just say, well, my eyes are green. Does that count? <laughs> Anyways. So yeah, everyone else is like out with their friends drinking and we're just going to do a podcast. 
That's right. That's how it rolls. That's exactly right. I know, right? I haven't had my green beer yet tonight or my, my, what is that? Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on it. The corned beef and. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Not yet. Maybe later. But yeah, that's how we roll. We're doing a podcast tonight. <laughs> so. Well, we'll be done, you know, fairly early. So maybe we should, you know. Oh, yeah. cabbage. Someone just said cabbage. No, like, there you go. Oh my god! I, like I like something it. else other than just cabbage. I mean, yeah, I know. I knew I said when I said it. I'm like, I'm missing something. It is cabbage. Yes. Oh my gosh! Please, I'm losing it. Oh my goodness. So, well, thanks for joining me tonight. Yeah. It's always a great time having you on. So let's let's start out because this is 10 years of the Oregon Ghost Conference. That's well, pretty darn amazing. Well, sort of 10 years. Oh, it is sort of. Oh, because of yeah. So yes, yeah, so um, it's really year eleven, but we missed year nine. Yeah, and then uh, the oh. virtual year was year nine, if this makes any sense. And so um, it's really year. It's been eleven years, but ten years we're celebrating this year. So um, I'm excited about that. It wasn't the way that I had planned the ten year uh, anniversary to happen. Um, <laughs> And I don't know that I'm prepared for it as, as much as I really wanted to, because I really had this big, grandiose plan. And we have a lot of surprises and some things that we're going to do that are going to be pretty fun. But um, I think we might have to save the even bigger event for like, you know, year 13 or year 20 or something like that. I could see year 13, you know, lucky number <laughs> 13. And it's weird because sometimes you, you, you think you're not as prepared or planned for it, but then it all unfolds you know, as it's supposed to. Right. And so that's, that's what will happen. So a lot of listeners obviously know all about the conference, but just in case there's a couple that don't, let's start out and talk about the origins of it and how it came to be. Gosh. Well, uh, you mentioned uh, the Ermatinger house in Oregon city. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that is actually the place that I had some of my first experiences. I worked in that house. Um, it's an 1843 house and um, had a lot of experiences there. And in fact, I was told by everyone that the house was haunted before I actually started working there and kind of had this, you know, um, question about what I would do if I ever had an experience. I was always open to the paranormal, but also skeptic to some degree as well. And I really got obsessed with the history of the Northwest and the history of the city. And what I found interesting is that people that would come into these historic places wanted to know, well, they wanted to know kind of the background and they, 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 they wanted to kind of understand things a little bit more because a lot of people came in to the house um, with, you know, maybe some experiences or would feel something um, and they would describe it, but they didn't have any context. They didn't have an understanding of what was there or what was causing it or the history of the place. Of course. And I felt like I had that piece. um, And so I could fill in the gaps to them and, and really tell them, well, okay, well, yeah, you feel this way in this room because this is what happened here. And I think that's when I really started getting interested in the paranormal, Um, not because of really this idea that there's ghosts or even really wanting to explain what that word means, but really just something happened here. 
And is it a coincidence that when people walk in today and feel it, that that connection is so, um, that, 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 well, that there's a connection there in general, really, that, that, okay, this feeling that you have has been something that's tied back to the history of this place. And when you can make those kind of confirmations, it really is fascinating. And so I never stopped doing that and I just continued it. And so as I continued um, kind of my interest in the paranormal and connection in, uh, and, and really um, focusing on the history, I started, I started meeting a lot of just, you know, interesting <laughs> people. <laughs> it just, it just uh, happens, you know, and, it's crazy. You know, so then all of a sudden I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to go hang out with these people and um, do different things and, and go to investigate places. And I, I never got fully into the idea of like, oh, I want to be a paranormal investigator. Yes, I mm -hmm. do it. But you know what? I am so much more into the history. I um, I don't necessarily think it's my job to prove or disprove what um, what right. this is. Exactly. Um, I think it's more my job to tell their stories. That that you know what happened in these places. Who are these people? And how does their story live on? That's that's my piece. And and I don't you know want to sit there and write a report or watch you know, a hundred hours of videotape where nothing moves. I, I, I don't have a lot of interest in that. <laughs> so I, I think we all find our niche a little exactly. bit. So, you know, that led me into the ghost tours, which allowed me to tell the history and tell the stories that I love so much. And, and actually was able to allow me to continue telling a story about a house that I couldn't get into anymore because it was condemned and we needed to restore it. And um, so basically just doing that um, and trying to promote the tours that I did in Oregon City led to this, led me to actually doing, um, going to a couple of different conferences that were very small scale. And when those conferences didn't really expand um, and kind of went away, it was really something that I thought, you know, this would be a really good thing to do. And I felt like I always questioned why these paranormal events were so small and that only drew in the, 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 the click of people that were always there, that, that it never really grew, that um, it was always the same paranormal groups. And to me, it was, well, what about the people that don't know anything about this, that may want to ask a question? What about the people who um, are afraid to tell their next door neighbor that they see a ghost? Um, and only tell the ghost tour guide because they don't think that the ghost tour guide is going to think they're a crazy person. And, you know, what, what venue is there for people to do that? And so I thought, you know, if you're going to do a ghost conference, this has to be more than just, you know, five paranormal groups getting together and walking around in the dark. It, it should be, you know, inviting the public in, for them to the general public just to get a taste of it or to ask the questions or to be skeptic or to just have a dialogue and share their story. And I think that, you know, being able to do that um, has built a stronger community and actually has grown the event uh, where um, it's actually grown to the point that I, I know, don't think I really um, felt it ever would. Uh, so I'm surprised by that. And I know that it's, actually just in the beginning of what it can be so it continues 
It continues. It's so yeah. amazing to, and I, you know, I came into the picture in 2015 and it's just in that short amount of time seeing how much it's grown. And like you said, it all, I mean, pretty much everything is there for you. You even have a kid's zone section because, you know, I think it's fair that, you know, for kids that want to learn about the paranormal and what, and what we do, I think that that's, you know, catering to them is important. Everything from presentations to various classes, not just ghost research per se, but various classes. I mean, it's, it, it, you have it all there. And so it's, you know, a job well done. And, uh, you know, it's been an honor to participate. I'm so bummed. I can't go up there this year, but next year I will, I promise. (laughs) So, uh, but it's, you know, going back to the whole history aspect, you know, you really can't study or talk about or research the paranormal without looking at history. And I think that's such a such a, a great component, such an important component. And you're such a master storyteller. So yeah, you found your niche. So with going back to the Irma Tinger house, have you found that people that are going or in later years when people went into the house did they have different feelings or different claims from the earlier sets of people that, that went into the house? Um, Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of um, an interesting scenario, honestly, because, um, you know, there is different museums that have always kind of uh, been reluctant to tell uh, stories about the ghosts or spirits. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and so when I worked there, there was a little bit of that. Um, but people will come in, and even if you don't ever mention it, it comes up because people want to know. And 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 they want to know kind of an answer to that. And so I would kind of answer those questions to people that directly asked it. Um, and then as it went on, the thing that really bothered me, and I think we've talked about this before, is that if this is a house or if this is a museum and this is a place that's supposed to be telling the story and if this museum or historic place is supposed to be teaching about the history of this place, then how do you neglect telling stories about some of the most important pieces of the history of the place? Exactly. Yes. Like the people that were there. Exactly. Still there. Um, I I don't understand that. And and so um, what you are talking about is history. And so when people go into these places, they want to know that. And and so it happened all the time uh, when I worked in the house early on in high school where people constantly asked questions. They had their own experiences, their own feelings. Um, And then when the house closed, it closed for um, you know almost a decade, and and we spent so much time to get the house open, and um, I honestly questioned that. Um, you know, I thought when the house reopens, is it going to be the same? Because if right. you are so tied to a place, you're so tied to a place, and you just disappear from that place for a decade, um, and you aren't allowed to really experience going in there. Um, I was really kind of had anxiety about it. Like, are they going to remember who I am? Are, are the spirits of this place going to be appreciated of the fact that this house has been closed for this long, that we were actually trying to do something good or those type of things. And I'll tell you, um, 
when I went back in the house several times, there was a moments where I thought, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't mm -hmm. know if they're still here. Um, and we went into the house one evening um, for a tour very early on after the house opened uh, for a fundraiser. And um, William was doing a tour in the downstairs. And um, I was telling some of the stories of the house. And then as we got into the dining room, uh, which is right below, um, well, right below, you know, some of the more active places, but there's a children's room up there to the, to the other side. Okay. And um, we, uh, we heard footsteps up there. We heard somebody like kind of running down the hallway upstairs. Now we only had one group in the house and none of us has been upstairs yet. And so everyone just stopped and froze and I kind of got a little bit um, emotional about it because I knew there was no one up there from our group. And um, William looked at me and I said, um, she's still here. Mm. And um, it, I said, you know, I need to go up there. I need to go up there before any of you go up there. Um, and I went up there to just kind of take my time and to just um, kind of process that because it was like, okay, they know I'm back. And this house has been saved and this house is going to live on for another couple generations until someone else can step up and do the same again. Um, and their, their story is still going to be told. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so yeah, it does, things do continue in the house. I think, I think as we've found with, you know, other sites, sometimes that evolves over time. And, right. Um, I think that right now, the house is generally fairly calm. And I, it wasn't that it was ever a scary place to me. Um, I never felt, well, I won't say I never felt scared, but <laughs> um, I never felt like the spirits in the Irma Tanner house were trying to scare me. Exactly. Um, yeah. I always felt that at the early point, it was me scaring myself and it was me trying to process it. Mm -hmm. And um, and so really what it was is, you know what? They aren't trying to scare me. They're just trying to tell me they're here. They're exactly. They're just trying exactly. to tell me they're here and they just want their story told. That's, that's And that's, that's a very good point because a lot of times you, when you hear like if clients contact us, they'll say, for example, so-and-so, we feel that so-and-so is trying to harm my dad or or is is trying to attack my dad and really it's the we're the human what i'm trying to say is the living people are assigning that right meaning. it doesn't mean that right. the ghost or the entity has the intent to do that you're interpreting its actions as that Right. So that's how, that's a really right. good point. Right. How am I going to get someone's attention that's not paying attention? I'm going to knock a vase over or going to move a chair. Yeah. But that's not to scare the crap out of you, exactly. which might. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, but, it, you it know, sure yeah. Might. but is that really what what's happening? Then and you have to look. You have to look out. That, I, you know, I started processing. I said, no, moving the chair or doing these things in the house that's not trying to scare me. It's just them saying I'm here. That's their way. Right. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. And so I'm glad you brought that up because that's, that's an, an educational piece for, for people that, you know, do feel that, oh my goodness, every little noise or, 
every little action that's happening is, well, it's the intent of the ghost to scare us when that's not typically the case at all in most cases. So um, Katie Brown just said, I always love hearing Rocky talk about the Hermitinger house. Me too. It's, it's a, you're a master storyteller. <laughs> With that, though, we have to go to our first break. So you're tuning into the Afterlife Chronicles, of course. I'm your host, Nicole Strickland, with guest Rocky Smith, director of the Oregon Ghost Conference, OregonGhostConference.com. And we will be right back. Stay tuned. A certified spiritual life coach, animal communicator, past life regression, and a psychic medium. This is Charlie Lynn. Charlie Lynn and Chat with Charlie work with you to bring communication and understanding from spirit to those looking to gain insight. Charlie Lynn's spiritual journey has brought her to you, so take advantage and contact Charlie Lynn today. Book a reading, indulge in some Reiki work, or take the next step in your life with some spiritual life coaching. No matter, Charlie Lynn is here to help you. Search Chat with Charlie on Facebook. That's Chat with Charlie on Facebook. Twenty-three minutes past the hour. Of course, you're tuning back into the Afterlife Chronicles here on the WLTKDB network. My guest tonight is, of course, the Rocky Smith of Oregon Ghost Conference, director of Oregon Ghost Conference, OregonGhostConference.com. So tickets are still being sold. So get your tickets. All kinds of events going on this year, even virtual ones. So we've been uh, discussing a little bit about the origins of how the conference developed and and. Uh, a little bit about the Irma Tinger house uh, that Rocky has, has uh, done a lot of work at. And just right before the break, we were talking about how when certain types of activity happen, whether it's a business or a home, let's say footsteps, you know, upstairs or, or a vase being knocked over, typically that's not the intent of energies to scare us, but to, to get our attention. That's how they want us to know that they're there. And I think that that's such a good, important point to address uh i do have one question for you what are your thoughts about spirit rescue and like if someone were to come to you and say you know i i i don't want this energy in my house anymore what can you do to get rid of it what are your thoughts on that boy it's tough <laughs> you know yeah. it's you it's, know I, it's a sensitive issue yeah i mean um it kind of goes back to just, you know, treat people how you want to be treated kind mm -hmm. of thing. I, the I, golden I, rule. I, I basically, and then that's an oversimplification, but, um, you know, and it's, it's, you, you, it's your place. Yes. Let's say you're talking about your own house, you know, right. or your, your own business. Um, yeah, it's your place. And I guess you as the person that owns that place has a say in who's there and who's not. But um, 
they were there first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. think that that doesn't mean that you have to put up with it necessarily or what, but I think, you know, you have to treat these spirits um, if that is a thing, I will say, because I use the word ghost very broadly. But let's just say that you believe that there's a spirit in your house and you don't want them there. Um, I, I really think that's something you have to process and, and, and really, you know, I would take a lot of time to think about that. Um, Absolutely. You know, because of just the example that you just gave, what you're seeing as being, a, you know, um, intimidating or something to scare you may not actually be. Um, and just as the immediate reaction to just say, I want this gone, um, either because um, you don't believe or either because you don't want to deal with the things that are happening or whatever. Um, it's something that you have to kind of um, communicate to that spirit or that entity. Um, I don't think that a lot of times the things that we uh, think cause a place to be haunted or actually spirits. I think sometimes you just walk into a room and you get this gut feeling like, oh my God, something happened there. And that doesn't necessarily mean that there's a spirit there. It could be that this just a, a gut feeling of a, an energy of something that took place. So I think, you know, before you really try to um, send something on its way or push it out, you really need to know what you're dealing with or what you're, what you're doing um, and communicate that, you know, if, if you have something going on that's scaring you, say that. Exactly. Say, yeah. Hey, yeah. You're scaring me. Um, and I, I, you know, I guess I've always treated it that, that way is if you're in a place, like for instance, I go to places on my tours where I'm very deliberate and I've go into the places that I'm doing on my tours and I talk to the area and I say, I'm here, I'm going to be doing tours here, those kind of things. And I tell them flat out, if you don't feel comfortable or I bring a group in and I'm going somewhere or telling a story that you don't want me to do, you can let me know that and I'll leave. You know? That's that's um, exactly how Allie and I, when we do our tours at the Adobe, we're the exact same way. You know, just right. now that's that different. <laughs> that's different, of course, if it's your house. Right, right. right You're not right. going to be like, okay, sorry, I guess I'll go. You can take it. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I, so I think there is a balance to that. But I think, you know, it is a little bit of a communication. I, I joke about this um, a little bit because one day, I, I uh, way back before the Ermatinger house was closed, I used to take people through the house on tours regularly. And um, I took a friend on a tour, um, a ghost tour, and I walked into the Ermatinger house before my tour started. And I was walking around the house and I said, hey, I'm going to bring people through the house and I'm going to be doing this. And this is how things are going to go tonight. And my friend said, yeah, I know that. And I said, I'm not talking to you. You're not talk- exactly. talking. Exactly. Yeah. And I did that with uh, my friend William when he did tours with me as well. Basically said, you need to go to these places and you need to communicate to the the spirits or the energy that's there that, you know, you're, a, you're coming in there working with me and they know me. So you need to kind of get used to those spaces so that they recognize who you are. Um, so I think it really is just a communication thing. 
I think that's so important. Communication is important in general. I mean, you're keeping that open dialogue with your team members and your clients. Well, of course, you should with the energies as well. Julie Edwards said, or as asking, what if a spirit seems to be stuck in a loop of crisis, which in some ways that could be like a residual sort of phenomenon, which we can't really, you know, interfere with. But, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I don't. It's a, again, it's a sensitive, it's a very yeah. sensitive Well, and, and the truth is, we can answer these questions all we want, but we don't know. We don't right? exactly. I, yeah. So, so I have to guess, I have to use it on my common sense. I mean, part of this idea is okay, is, are you, what does that mean? Are you stuck? You know, what does that really mean? I think sometimes when we're stuck, it's because we've stuck ourselves, that we've, We've, we've um, kind of, um, we're not ready to move on. Now, whether that means they're not ready to move on and they want to stay, I don't know. But as you just said, kind of as a residual thing, maybe that's not a spirit at all. Maybe that's just an energy of a place or something that repeats there. Right. And it, and, and it's not someone that's stuck. It's just something in time that's repeating because there was such a mark made on that place. Um, I, I don't think any of us really know that. Right. You know, you know it's um, like we, we have all these theories, of, but we, we yeah, don't. We can kind of, per, you know, perceive our different ideas of what that means, but I don't know that we really know. Um, so I kind of, um, I, you know, I think, I think if we are, as people um, have certain choices in our lives where we, assume that when we're dead and if we're still spirit that we might have some of those and i I think sometimes hey we're not ready to move on or we're stuck behind because we want to have some one last thing to communicate or whatever um and um it's an interesting topic because i try to have those conversations without really verging into the religious conversations um because that's not my place when I do a tour, you know? So I try to be careful with that because I like to have, there's so many different people and different beliefs and different religions, things that we all have some common um, ideas too. But I kind of leave people with the history and the stories. And when they leave from that place, um, they go away with something that I've kind of communicated in terms of, what I don't even really go into what I believe. It's like, okay, here's the facts, here's the history, here's the folklore. And you take that and you leave and you can kind of think about it. You know, think about how what what you think it is and what you believe. I think that's not up to me. Um, you know, I, I I don't try to incorporate that in really as the as part of the tour um, or any of the events that I do really. Yeah, that's well said. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Absolutely. And speaking of your tours, I mean, you've documented, I think you said close to 100 haunted locations in Oregon City. Yeah. So with Oregon City, besides the the different historical layers, you know, in your in your opinion, what about the land there, or just the area in general makes it such a good foundation for paranormal events? Well, well, you know, we can go into a huge conversation about that. Right, yeah, <laughs> we'd be it, here all night. <laughs> it, you know, in the paranormal world, people say, okay, well, in order for something paranormal to happen, 
let's say it is a spirit or an energy or something like that. They have to draw energy from somewhere. And so right. there, there's a lot of theories that, okay, if you have a place that has a lot of water or waterfalls or whatever, that that's that could generate something that would cause something to happen. Now, whether that's just a generation of energy or this is actually something else paranormal that's happening, those are two different things. But places that have a lot of energy tend to be more active paranormal-wise. Mm -hmm. Well, Oregon City is surrounded by two rivers. It's surrounded by waterfalls. You talk about other kind of classifications. What tragedies happened in a place? Right. What... Um, what um, uh, natural disasters have taken place in a place? Um, well, there's all these check boxes of places that, you know, where paranormal activity is high. Um, movement of places, or, I mean, movement of buildings, um, building over the top of things constantly, reuse of space. Um, and if you go down the list of all these kind of things, Oregon City matches all of them. It, it, Oregon City has these bizarre things where almost every one of these things is here. Um, you know, it's, it's a city that was built in a confined space where things were built over the top of each other time and time again. So when you look at a haunted building or a historic building, you say, wow, that building's really amazing. Well, there were three buildings there before that. And, and what are those histories? Um, and so that's part of it. Um, we have a, a, an amazing history here. Um, it's one of the older cities on the West Coast. It's the first incorporated city. Um, so it predates Portland and uh, Seattle and, and cities like that. So you have that. You have this um, prehistory and, and um, uh, the native history of this place, which is, um, of course, you know, quite tragic, actually. And we are now, you know, definitely starting to tell that piece of Oregon City's history. Um, and we need to. Um, and then not only the native history of this place, but the pioneer history, this was the end of the Oregon Trail, and you have people leaving their homes and struggling across this whole territory to get to this place. And one-tenth of the people that did that died on the way here. And once they got here, it wasn't paradise. You know, they were huge struggles. And they came in to find basically uh, the natives dying by the thousands. Um, and, you know, it really affects this place. And then you have, you know, the addition to that with the Pacific Northwest, where it's this kind of, you know, gloomy, um, you know, it, it definitely creates the um, atmosphere that, that um, adds to um, depression or foreboding and all of that. And so I think that um, maybe accentuates some of um, <laughs> the, the, the stories and, and, and some of the feelings that are here. Um, so I, I think it's a lot. I think it's, there's a lot of aspects of that. I do too. Um, yeah, me too. There's so many different layers. And then you have the the living human element and what we're bringing into the whole equation too, when it comes to different uh, sites. Uh, you know, everyone's now getting so interested in the paranormal and it's more a part of our mainstream culture and, 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 and pop culture. So you have that element too, which I find so fascinating. I think that us humans, the, the mortal realm, 
I think we need to pay more attention as to what, how that's influencing and or perhaps even how it could be causing certain types of paranormal events. That's a whole different discussion. Yeah. Are we causing it ourselves? Right. Right. I think it's just so, so fascinating uh, when you, when we, when we look into that and talk about it, have you ever, now this question just popped up in, in your tours or places that you've gone that you're obviously very familiar with. Have you ever found that after you tell an energy story or a story, a specific story of a location that some of the activity that may correlate to that story either seizes or, or increases. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I'll tell you, this goes back to, it doesn't happen so much anymore. And I Mm -hmm. think it's because I've um, noticed it. Um, could be, yeah. And when I started the ghost tours way back, um, and I won't try to um, assign any um, definition to this, because I still am skeptic myself, but I would be doing ghost tours um, frequently, you know, sometimes multiple times a night. And I frequently, as you know, you've been on my tours, I go as long as anyone will listen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> As long as there's someone there. And so, you know, people are like, well, how long is the tour? And I said, well, it's supposed to be two hours, but, you know, <laughs> it may go three. I don't know. Yeah. It depends on, you know, if you want me to stop talking. So when I get towards the end of the tour and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got 10 minutes left and I got, you know, an hour of stories left. Um, I will start walking backwards to tell the stories because I want people to move and I can still tell stories. Well, walking backwards, leading a ghost tour is not the best um, option for a tour guide. But um, (laughs) as I was doing that one night, one of the ladies said to me, Rocky, do you realize that every time that you get to an intersection that the lights change? Oh, that's a good observation. we've, We've never actually had to stop. Now, that's when it first started. And um, what I started noticing is every night on the ghost tours for years, if I walked by a streetlight, it would go out. um, And then it would come back on and we'd go to the next block and another light would go out. And as I went down the street, the streetlights would follow and go out. And and you could look back and realize that they weren't going out just randomly. They were going out exactly when we went by them and not just streetlights that might overheat and then shut off, but Mm -hmm. floodlights on the sides of buildings and different types of places. It would happen constantly. And it got to a point where even some nights I would point to a certain place in the city, like overlooking the bluff. And I would point to a building and the lights on that building would go out. Um, And I made it kind of a joke because people, well, I didn't make it a joke, but people thought it was a joke because they they thought, you you know, you have a control in your hand. And I'm like, okay, that's a great idea. But you do really think I have a control to every light in this city? Right, Um, right. And, you know, what I, it fascinated me every night because I didn't know, is this something that somebody's trying to tell me something or is this Mm -hmm. something? And, and what I noticed over the years is, I would see a light go out in a certain place on a certain night. And then if I found a story, if I did research and I found a story about that place and I could connect it 
and understand that, oh my gosh, I think this is the story, it would stop. Um, and it was almost like, you know, these, the spirits in the neighborhood, like after the Ermitinger house, they all wanted their story to be told. And so there would be little hints left for me, sometimes actually really objects left for me saying, you know, kind of tell my story. Uh, one night I found a, a, a clump of flowers on the sidewalk that I didn't think was anything. But over the years, I kind of did research and I realized, okay, I think I know exactly what this is about and who it's connected to. And so I, there was a lot of times where I felt that, again, it was not just moving objects, but either flashing lights on and off or leaving something for me to say, Rocky, there's a story here and you need to tell it. And once I started telling it, it stopped. That's just uh, so, that's so amazing. Yeah. And you know what? I don't believe in coincidences. Anymore. I don't either. I don't I, either. I, I, Mm -hmm. I do not believe in coincidences. Um, it's happened way too many times and I really believe it. That's just such a fabulous story. I mean, and what, you know, what better way than showing you something that's bright and flashing. Well, it's <laughs> your attention or leaving something like flowers right. to get your attention. Well, and honestly, Nicole, I think it's because they know they can't show themselves because my brain couldn't handle it. Um, well, people, don't underestimate yourself. <laughs> don't underestimate okay. yourself. Uh, okay, my brain can handle it. Maybe I don't know. I, um, I really, I have a block, and um, I, I can, you know, I'll see things out of the corner of my eye. Like but I common, think, yeah. I think they know, you know, the best way to approach you. Um, you know, I actually that's a whole nother topic, but it, um, yeah, you know. People will say, oh, you hear your name. You know, people will say, if you ever heard your name. And they'll say that sometimes you'll hear your name and you'll hear your name in the voice of someone you know, but they're not there. And it's like, well, why? Because you recognize that voice. And it know, they know that that's going to get your attention. Um, you know, for me, the, the lights flashing off and on was something that got my attention without um, the actual spirit or the actual person showing up in front of me. Because if they did that, I don't think I could handle it. I don't think I could process it. And it would shut me off. It would be something that I would say, I don't know, this is too much. Um, yeah, very well could be. And, and Appealing so to I your really, senses. Right. So I, I, so I think that's, you know, kind of a fascinating thing. It's, you know... Um, and, and actually people I've asked that, I said, well, I asked, asked a particular friend of mine who's a psychic. I said, so is this one person that's trying to let me know something or is this a bunch of different things happening? And um, one specific incident where something was happening, I said, who is this? And this uh, psychic medium friend of mine said, you know who it is. And I said, I do. And they said, well, who's the person that you think of is when this happens? And I told them, there and they go. said, well, there you go. There you go. There you mm -hmm. go. Um, and I felt like part of it was a lot of times where I was alone. Like I would go on vacation and I would go to every city I went to, lights would go off as I walked by alone. And I thought, you know what? This is someone that's trying to protect me. And when the flashing, when lights go off near you, 
you're aware of your surroundings. And so I got to be where I would notice lights going out a block away from me, two blocks away from me, anywhere around me, I would notice a light going out because I was aware. And it was like, okay, is this somebody that's protecting me and following me and letting me know, hey, you need to look out. Um, and so I, I think, you know, we know a lot more of what's going on around us than, than we lead on to, I think. I think so too. And it's, it is as how you believe in, in, in many ways, at least in my opinion. And I think that a lot of these intelligent energies, they're going, they're going to come to us. They know what our, what part of our senses are more in tune than others. Right. So if you're more of a visual person, that makes sense. If you're more of an auditory person, then maybe be more auditory. Angela Smith even said, because you were such a visual person, that would make sense. Right. So, right. Well, that's what I, I always say that on the tours. I say, I'm an artist. I'm a very visual person. And people mm -hmm. say, well, wouldn't that mean you would be able to see them? I said, no, because me seeing something means it's real. Me seeing something means, oh my gosh, I have to deal with this. And I'm not, I don't know I'm ready to. You know, if I can say, hey, it was a shadow over there, there's a disconnect enough that I can say, well, maybe it was just a shadow. Um, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Me too. Absolutely. So on that note, let's take our second break. And then when we come back, let's touch base on all the goings on for this year's uh, Oregon Ghost Conference. So stay tuned, guys. Looking to launch your new masterpiece? Then try something new with Moonbow Publishing and Production. At Moonbow, we have a strong desire to serve authors in a powerful and meaningful way. After all, you poured your heart and soul into your writing and we fully understand and respect that. Remember this. You will own the copyright to your work. You will have the final say on your work before being published. Even after all of that, we've saved the best for last. We won't take a percentage sold. Nope, not a penny. Excited about MoonbowPublications.com yet? We thought so. Take advantage of our company's services like book editing, formatting, and covers, publishing, and photography. Moonbow Publishing and Productions has everything you are looking for in a company. Remember, we will not keep any commissions. We are a boutique publishing company focusing on spiritual, health and wellness, and personal growth genres. Moonbow Publications and Productions, a new kind of publishing company. Forty-eight minutes past the hour here on WLTKDB.com. Of course, you're tuning in to the Afterlife Chronicles here uh, on the network, and we are talking to, or we, I should say, I. Well, we are the listeners. We're all kind of involved in this, right? So, Rocky Smith, of course, fabulous guest. I need to start doing two-hour shows because I'm looking at the time, and these hour-long shows fly by so fast, and it's like you can't really get into the nitty gritty of everything. So maybe one day I'll do two hours, but that's a whole nother discussion. So my goodness, fabulous discussion on um, just 
really looking at the paranormal in a more critical, analytical way. So if you've missed the first uh, 45 minutes of the show, of course, the entire show will be archived uh, for you on all the major audio listening platforms. So with about 10 minutes left, let's segue into Oregon Ghost Conference and talk all about the different events and what's going on uh, at this year's conference. Well, we have a lot going on. We have about 30 different classes throughout the weekend. And so My that, goodness. That's all. Yeah, there's a lot, <laughs> lot going on. There's plenty. There's still a lot of uh, openings for those classes. So um, go online and get tickets for a lot of the classes. Um, there's classes from everything from... Good stuff. Uh, you know, oh my gosh, uh, uh, tarot reading to... Um, psychic readings to um we're going to have a sound bath um there's so many things uh psychometry there's a virtual psychometry class oh that'd be fascinating um, i may take that there's just a ton of stuff um so the classes are really a huge highlight there's a lot of choices for everyone um we're doing a couple of things this year that I'm really super excited about. Um, you know, Ross Allison, mm -hmm. uh, Ross Allison, he just got back from uh, the UK and he has a movie premiere that we're going to do on Friday night of a new movie called Parasense. Um, Fantastic. And that'll be happening at the Times Theater there in Seaside on Friday, the 25th. There's tickets, uh, tickets still available for that. Great. Um, and Kasha Amenti is going to be back this year, and she's going to be doing a gallery reading, uh, Spirit Messages from the Other Side, and that is on the Saturday night of the conference. Um, Vivian Powell and William Becker um, are going to be doing an event on Friday night that's a little different, more uh, kind of Victorian-based uh, event where we're going to invite the spirits in and we'll I see love what happens. I'm going to leave that vague because it's going to be a really cool event. Um, that's Friday night. And then um, we have a couple cool things this year that I'm really excited about. One, um, there's a um, friend of mine from the Irma Tinger house. Uh, her name is Marge Harding, and she is an amazing person. I worked with her since I was in high school. She has an amazing collection of artifacts and collection of mourning attire. So she is an expert in practices of mourning from the Victorian time period. She has clothing. She's going to set up an amazing display at the ghost conference that's going to be open to the public as part wow. of the admission. And she's going to do some presentations with her uh, authentic clothes and, and, and artifacts. Um, I'm really excited about that. And she's also going to share some of her never told stories about the Irma Tinger house, including many stories. I don't think she's ever told me. Oh so my goodness. Really, wow. really excited. Um, that's really to kind of celebrate the 10 years. A lot of people don't know that um, the Oregon ghost conference started in the month of April. It used to be in April every year That's right. and it's in March, but it always had to be in the spring. And the reason for that is because the name that we always had given the little girl at the Irma Tinger house was April. Um, so some of those little facts that people don't really know, we'll talk about. Um, and then we have some people coming from all over. Um, we have people coming from uh, Washington, California, Idaho, um, Napa City. Um, Nicole, you probably know about Napa City. A little bit. Haven't been up there in a while, but yeah, a yeah. little bit. Yeah. 
Um, so um, Napa City um, is uh, Napa City Ghosts and Legends walking tour. The people that put that on are coming up and they're going to uh, have a booth, but they're also bringing their traveling haunted museum. Um, okay, and great. that's going to be set up in the vendor area um, as part of their booth. But that will also be a kind of an added attraction to the vendors area where people can go in and see some of their haunted um, artifacts, things that they've collected over the years. Um, and um, we still have some investigations. The Most of our brand new events, I think actually all of our brand new locations have sold out. Uh, we still have tickets for the investigations at the bridge tender, which is our, you know, um, our, our, our biggest supporter really in the seaside is the bridge tender. Uh, they've always been really supportive of the event. We have uh, tickets available for the late night um, uh, investigations there. And a lot of people don't know that the investigations that we do at the bridge tender are not just in the bar. So if you've ever mm -hmm. been to the bridge tender at Seaside, yes. you walk in and it's a pretty small bar. Um, but what people don't know is the investigation includes the, the uh, store next to it, which is part of the same building that's also got a lot of activity going on. And people also don't realize that there's an upstairs to the bridge tender. And upstairs in the bridge tender is um, eight to nine um, abandoned apartments that were there um, that were closed in the 1970s. That's and right. Yeah. We get to take people up there. Now, what's amazing about this is nobody goes up there ever except for the weekend of the ghost tour. That's the ghost conference. So um, the owners, the past owners of the ghost, uh, the past owners, sorry, of the bridge tender, um, wanted to let us take people up there. And so that has been a tradition that we have had ever since we moved to Seaside. And um, the owners at one point uh, decided to sell the bridge tender. And we were a little concerned about that because they'd been such gracious, gracious hosts for mm -hmm. this ghost conference, um, allowing us to tour their building late at night. And um I think actually um, when they sold the bridge tender to the new owners, this was a conversation that took place was essentially that the new owners had to kind of commit to that, that they would um, be um, opening this building up. And the new owners have done that from the beginning. They've also been huge supporters of the ghost conference and um, these people open up their building to us with their own staff free of charge to let people come in and let us tell their stories. And it's pretty amazing. Um, so cool. Yeah. I've been in there. I've actually have not investigated it yet, but I've been in there. It's pretty darn cool. Yeah. Really neat building. Cool Seaside itself is just, I mean, I, how many times have I been there now? Three or four. It's so, I love it. It's just, it's such an amazing quaint little beach city. I love it. It's like the perfect, perfect spot for a ghost conference. So, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's everything. Well, I, I it's a perfect place. I think Oregon city was a perfect place and it was that like, too. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't want to move it from, from Oregon city, but if I had to move it, I think seaside was the best option. Yeah. And, um, because it's a walkable place, you know, you're within walking distance from your hotel to the convention center, to the beach, 
to all the attractions within, you know, 10 blocks. Ten and, min- exactly. Um, and, and, and that's such a cool atmosphere where people can just kind of walk by, you know, when you're on your break from the convention center and you're at, you know, at one of the local restaurants, everyone in town knows what's going yep. on. Mm-hmm. They all know why <laughs> you're there. Um, the storefronts kind of, even the bookstore on Broadway put books out that were all ghost related. I mean, the whole city of Seaside kind of embraces this event and really takes it on and, and welcomes people. And so it's it's nice to be doing an event in a town that really supports it supports. and wants you there and exactly. adds to that. And so it's it's been a lot of fun. Amazing stuff and lots of cool new events this year. OregonGhostConference.com. Everything's right there on the website you can get your tickets uh there as well i am so bummed that i'm not going to be there physically this year but next year of course but uh i'll be there in spirit i'll be floating around you'll oh, know i'm well, there no, I don't want you to be, Nicole, we don't want you to be there in spirit. We want you to be alive and come next year. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. I'll be, my, um, you know, yeah, you know what I mean. But um, we, I, I do want to mention too, that actually for the first time in a while, I've always planned to try to do this, but I'm actually leaving to Seaside tomorrow. Um, oh. And so I will okay. actually be doing ghost tours every night through spring break. So I'll be doing ghost tours every night leading up to the 25th, starting uh, tomorrow night. That is yeah. amazing. My goodness. Thank you for coming on tonight and, and sharing your wisdom and your experiences. You're welcome back anytime, of course. And then uh, if, if people want to get a hold or take one of your uh, tours in Oregon City, where would they get tickets? Um, so hauntedoregoncity.com is my Oregon City tours. And the Oregon City tours will start, oh, in the spring after the ghost conference, mm-hmm. spring into summer. Right on. Um, and then the seaside ghost tours are hauntedseaside.com. Fantastic. Uh, busy, 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 busy schedule coming up. Uh, so there you have it, oregonghostconference.com. Uh, get your tickets. Uh, lots of great events happening. Rocky, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Uh, safe travels to Seaside tomorrow. Yes, and um, I'll be helping to promote, of course, the conference on my socials as well. So there you have it, folks. That was Rocky Smith, director of Oregon Ghost Conference. Just an all around great guy. So uh, he's welcome back anytime. Uh, fabulous, fabulous stuff. I just can't, you know, it's fabulous. That's all I'm going to say. So uh, anyways, we will be back next week, of course, next Thursday at 6 Pacific, 9 Eastern. And I hope you all have a wonderful uh, weekend. And if you're going out later tonight for green beer and all that jazz, be safe. And uh, we will see you next week. All right. Good night.